Welcome to the Milk and Motherhood podcast, where we're having an ongoing conversation about breastfeeding, postpartum, parenthood, the challenges these can present, and the hope we have for overcoming them. I'm your host, Therese Dansby. I'm a registered nurse, international board-certified lactation consultant, and homeschooling mom of three. I believe that navigating the rough waters of early motherhood with wisdom, grace, and humility can grow each of us into the mothers we long to be. Yes, I completely feel you. I, yes. My husband and I had the same discussion, even without anyone having surgery. We had a similar yeah. talk about the pace of things like very recently. And yeah, it sneaks up on you. You're, and I haven't mastered it yet. I'm like, okay, we're like not busy enough. And then we're too busy. And I can't find the happy in between. Completely. I don't know if there is a not busy enough with young children though, really. I mean, <laughs> well, no, so true. So always busy at home, but like, maybe we need to get out more. Maybe we need to start dance or maybe we need to start karate or something. And yeah. It's so hard to navigate it all. And I, I know I was listening to your interview with Caitlin and just really connecting so much mm-hmm. of the way, well, I adore her to begin with. And then I think you guys both brought up the rate of change is kind of what mm-hmm. keeps the time of the kids. You're yes. just like, just trying to keep up doggy paddling yeah. with how fast they're growing and changing. And as soon as you think you figured one thing out, it's different for better or for worse. <laughs> yes. And it does slow down. I don't, I guess, well, when we're officially doing the interview, we'll talk about how old your kids are too, but it slows down. And then we have a three-year gap and then a four-year gap. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot like how babies and toddlers just keep you on your feet from one phase to the next. Yeah. Like, like with pretty relentlessly is how I would describe it. (laughs) Yes. So I appreciate the perspective knowing that we do get out of that season, but it's been a lot getting back into it. And your youngest is a year old. He's 16 months now. Yes. Got it. Yes. But he, he's hearing impaired. So we have early intervention and they were like, well, his motor skills are 21 to 24 month old. And his language is 12 to 15 months. And I'm like, this is why everybody's frustrated right now. Totally. I actually really love doing the podcast though, because like you said, it's talking with people that are interested in the same things. And yes, and you may, I have a sense from listening to your podcast that you're like us where we want to go deep. You know, we're not, we're not chit chatters and talk about the weather kind of people. And so it's such a gift to connect with others who are ready to be vulnerable and connect on that deep level. And that's where we love to hang out. (laughs) Yes. No, same. I don't know how to do small talk. So I'm done with it. (laughs) Yeah. Podcasting has been good for me because I'm like, let's just go there. We're just going to talk about it. So I love it. All right, welcome to today's episode. Today I'm talking with Christina. She is a licensed physical therapist, and we are going to talk about tightening your tinkler and other pelvic floor, <laughs> other pelvic floor issues that might arise after you have a baby. So welcome. Thank you so much, Therese, and thank you for the work you do in the world. It is such a gift to connect with other heart-centered women leaders trying to make change for other mamas in this world. And we are both on that mission in different ways. So thank you for sharing all the gifts that you bring. Thank you. And I'm really looking forward to our talk. Could you introduce us to yourself and your family first? Absolutely. I'm Christina Walsh. I am a New Orleans mama, married to husband Thomas, who does professional sound down here on a freelance basis and never-ending adventure down here. I have seven-year-old girl, a five-year-old boy, and, you know, just living all the fun and all the 
you know, sweats that come with living in New Orleans. <laughs> okay. I didn't realize our kids, I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old and a one-year-old. Awesome. So yeah, right there. As, aside from adding the third, we're on a similar path. Yeah. I knew I was done after two and I was, I had a morning about that because I grew up one of yes. four and I loved my childhood as one of four. And I always mm-hmm. thought, oh, I'm going to do that for my children. I think my siblings are the greatest gift I was given. And there were other plans in store for me. I realized I was only to have two and, but they are the greatest gifts in my life. And I am grateful for that. But yeah, there, there's a morning there too. Sometimes it's like, oh, well, just two. That's kind of not what I thought, but they complete our family. And yeah. you also have this depth of knowledge that it's just what was meant to be in your path. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so- I am in that phase right now with the third. I'm like, okay, we're really done now, but it is ready to sleep through the night, but not quite ready to be done with the baby stage at the same time. Completely. I've completely accepted at this point with the baby being five that I am totally content to hang out with other people's babies at this stage. (laughs) And then go home and sleep at night. Well, right. As much as even my older two allow. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So I'm one of four too. Where do you fall in your siblings? I am the oldest. How about you? Okay. I am the oldest also. Uh, see there's yeah. something about that happens with that birth order man this is, I think all. so it's like we're gonna, okay now we're gonna mother all the other mothers out there because we just were the mother hen in our family yeah, we took care of them of mm-hmm. our siblings and yeah uh, it's it probably required a lot of unlearning I speak for myself of those mm-hmm. tendencies of people pleasing and that sort of thing yes. that I grew up taking care of everyone so I can go into all the layers of that I've been through, but it yeah. all becomes a part of our journey and it sets us up to also become leaders in certain ways. So yes. here yes. we are making the most of that gift. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So what was early motherhood and breastfeeding birth, all of that? What was it like for you? And obviously it's informed your career path at this point too. Perhaps they were so intertwined. My my journey into motherhood with the career path and the way that the timing played out and Early motherhood, as I became pregnant, I was already working with my partner, Jen, as separate businesses, me doing craniosacral therapy, which is another deep passion that I still practice, Mm -hmm. and Jen training postpartum moms in her gym, and we were sharing space working together when I became pregnant with my first, and I had worked with so many moms at that point that I felt very empowered to make choices to receive less intervention in my birth because I kind of felt like I had seen what happens on the other side. Not that we have control over any of that really in the end, but I was able to really set myself up to have an intentional birth experience. And the first one went absolutely beautifully. It was a long first labor, but I was attended by a midwife and a doula in a birthing center, but it was the first lesson in what we don't have control over. I still had to push for two and a half hours. And I Mm -hmm. later learned that's part of what set me up because sunny side up delivery, you know, so OP, Mm -hmm. head to the back, all of that contributed then to what I do now, helping women with pelvic floor issues and prolapse and core dysfunction to recover. So even with what you could call a picture perfect birth experience, no tearing, no doctors present, no intervention needed, I still needed help to recover after that. That's my side of the story. And Jen's is much different. She had a traumatic first birth many years prior to that. And was led to find the protocol we now teach in our signature program through recovering from massive trauma in her birth. But I love that between the two of us, we have both sides of that story on a very personal level and are able to speak again from the heart 
to women on any of those paths between the five births between the two of us, we've had vaginal births, we've had C-sections, we've had midwife and doula assisted, we've had, you know, traumatic birth and fourth degree tear and stage two prolapse. So between all of that, we understand so many of those paths that women are walking and the type of support that they need. And that's what led us to create the signature program that we now offer through Tighten Your Tinkler. So it's been an incredible journey between craniosacral therapy into pelvic floor work, and none of it happened in the way you might've thought. You know, don't practice traditional pelvic floor therapy. This is a very different way that I encountered this work and a completely different approach that we use. And I, I have such a deep knowledge that it was how it was meant to happen. You know, mm -hmm. all of these experiences end up being a gift in the way that we can connect compassionately and serve others in the end. I feel like that's part of the... Maybe recovery process because if you're at the beginning of a journey and you're like, did this just happen so I could help other people? It feels a little bit cruel. But when you come out on the other side, you're like, it would be silly for me to not share this with other people. So maybe you can't prevent everything, but maybe somebody can prevent this one specific thing. Or maybe when they encounter this problem, they actually have tools instead of spinning their wheels. And Completely. Yeah. And it, living through something, there's nothing like living through something mm -hmm. to give you the strength and the centeredness to connect with someone else living that same struggle from a place of so much compassion. Another, one of the greatest struggles I've lived through happened as my littlest was in her early years and chronically sick with breathing problems, mm. I was also losing my mother at the same time. Mm. And that set those first few years up to be incredibly challenging to transition into motherhood as I was walking my own mother toward the mm. end of her life. And I learned how to ask for and receive help through that. And I learned through that how to be present with others walking similar paths of loss and challenge in a way I couldn't have. And you wouldn't wish any of that on anyone, but the gift of connecting with other people who've actually walked a path, there's mm -hmm. nothing that replaces that. Yeah. And I'm so sorry. That is, that's hard always, but that's hard timing. And I feel like overlapping any other life difficulties with postpartum, it just magnifies <laughs> it. Yes. My kind and compassionate husband is the one who helped me to really embody that challenge because I used to tell the story like, yeah, I had this great birth and then my kid was sick and it was really tough. And he's like, you always forget to mention the part about your mom dying at the same time. Like this is a huge mm -hmm. component of what that experience and that part of yeah, your life yeah. was, but you learn to seek and receive help through that. Mm -hmm. And you're able to minister to others. And while you wouldn't wish suffering on anyone, you can turn it into gifts of ministry mm -hmm. service. Yeah, yes, yeah, I like that. So I am curious because my physical therapist here is not a traditional public for PT. I have done that. I did that when I lived in Kansas City and I needed that to a large degree with my first, I'd always had chronic lower back pain and hip pain and normal PT wasn't helping. And then pelvic PT finally addressed it. And it took me having a baby to go to pelvic PT or to even know that it was a thing. So I've seen both sides of it. And I really like going to, because my PT, I don't know what you do. She doesn't practice like PT anymore at all, but she has all that information up there. But I get to go and essentially just lay on a table and have a little therapy session with her while she does craniosacral therapy. So what are you doing with clients right now, one-on-one? -on -one? So my bodywork practice is 
small. I don't take new clients because my people stick with me, <laughs> um, but that's my craniosacral practice. And that piece is, as you described, it's okay. maintenance and wellness care. It's all external work. There's no, it's not pelvic floor therapy, but I do, yeah, I yeah. am able to address a lot of that manually through indirect stretching and fascial work. As you know, you don't have to press hard to get a lot of deep change through craniosacral therapy. But the other piece that I spend, the other piece of my time on is Titan working with Jen together to reach women with tremendous amounts of change and healing without even having to meet in person. That has been an incredible gift. It all came about organically too. We didn't plan to have this business. We were on our own healing journey and found a new protocol that was starting to change our lives. And then we started teaching it to our clients in our clinic. And then we got this harebrained idea, we now realize was crazy, that we had to turn this into data because testimonials were not going to change the world. And what we had to quantify what did better mean. The women were all coming, I feel so much better. It's like, oh, what does that mean? Okay, well, we're going to do a three-year university research study <laughs> to validate this protocol because we need to know what does better mean and then turn it into data so we can make a bigger impact in the world. And I don't know if we would have known what we were signing up for, if we would do it again. Yeah. Creating a course is a big enough project. <laughs> Three years of research before that. Yeah. It's nuts. Well, so we didn't have a course planned. We were just like, oh, we're going to okay. change the world. It okay. was, it was, <laughs> none of this was planned. It was all just like, oh, we have to get this out there. It was a compulsion to spread the word. It was that powerful. And then it was our clients, well, I guess research study participants at that point, who circled back and said, can you please make videos of this? I need to refer seven people, my best friends and my cousins and my mom all need this. And we thought enough came back and asked us that. We thought we need to listen to these women. We can't wait for the slow cogwheels of research and you know intervention change to get this out there. We have to do it now. And that is where Titan Your Tinkler was born. And one of our members, our participants actually named the business for us. We were going okay. for something way more nerdy and academic. And she said, no, nobody's going to remember that. It's not going to make sense. Tighten Your Tinkler. <laughs> that's awesome. And so here we are. Yeah. And doesn't it take like 16 years on average for research to turn into practice? Something big. Yeah, at least. Yeah. So that's yeah. why we were like, we can't wait for that. And yeah. And so we, we followed the calling and here we are. That's great. So I am curious, who is this program for? I guess let's start there. It's really based on symptoms or dysfunction. So part of what it does also to use this approach is to connect the dots. That is a huge passion is to connect the dots between all these little things that Western medicine will segment into this problem and a that problem. And well, this goes over here in this other bucket. And that's not the reality. If you have chronic back and hip issues, if you have hip flexors overuse, if you have overactive bladder or leaks, if you have pressure or heaviness through your pelvis or lower abdomen, if you have getting up at night to pee or those gotta go lakes, or you have trouble with regular bowel movement fully emptying, all of that is the same problem or a diastasis, you know, where the abs are separated or your or deep abdominals just aren't turning on. It's all one problem. And it can be fixed 
surprisingly easily, you know, it, anytime you take a holistic approach, you solve more things than you even intended to with less intervention. Mm -hmm. And that's what this does because it's giving your body that nudge to move in the direction it was already trying to go anyway. So it's about if you're dealing with any of those issues that I just discussed that are impacting your life negatively enough that you want to take some action to solve them. That's what this is for. And so do we have women freshly postpartum who are joining us because they know something's wrong and they want to fix it now and take matters into their own hands? Absolutely. Yes. Do we have women 28 years past the birth of their last child who find us on YouTube and say, <laughs> I didn't know I could get better. Mm -hmm. I was told this was just my life now. And then they're gardening again and they're playing with their grandkids. So the spectrum of who mm -hmm. this is for is wide, but it's all based on what problems you want to solve. And that's what we're here for. Okay. And you do have a quiz that I'll put in the show notes that like to see if you're a good candidate for this program. Totally. And the cool experience with that five minute quiz, we call it our root cause quiz is that it does very mm -hmm. subconsciously quickly. You're going through the questions and you're suddenly realizing, oh wait, this is connected to that. And this is part of the same problem. Like I thought, wow, mm -hmm. okay, this is really cool. So it's, it lends hope to the journey right off the bat. Like, wait, if this is all one problem, one solution can help me. So how do you know if you are a good candidate for a virtual program versus one-on-one -on -one physical this therapy? This is a, a fantastic question. And it's a very personal choice as with any medical decision. And I think if this is an alternative, I never recommend women doing traditional pelvic floor therapy and our program at the same time, because mm -hmm. that leads to a lot of confusion. We've learned okay. this through trial and error. If you want to choose an approach, pick what you want and go all mm -hmm. in, put two feet in with whatever you choose. And then if you decide it wasn't the right fit, then choose something else. Because mm -hmm. what we found is that traditional pelvic floor therapy in many regions of the country is still very Kegel based and bracing and external or devices that you have to insert into your body through your vagina. And those things we've not found to be effective. And many women who end up coming to work with us have tried that and it didn't work. So may, I know that works for some women and some women feel like I've got to be in person. In that case, take that path and go all in. If you're looking mm -hmm. for something else and you are more holistic minded and you want something you can do on your own terms with your clothes on, with your kids present <laughs> on your schedule, that is where our program comes in as a viable, wonderful alternative. So it's knowing yourself and knowing what your priorities are that can help guide that decision. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm thinking even for myself, I probably did need to go in person after my first because I just didn't even know. I didn't even know how to breathe. You heard my interview with Kate. Yes. And that, that is that is actually yeah. one of the first things we teach okay, in perfect. our protocol. Okay. Because yeah. as a holistic approach, breathing has got to be addressed right off the bat. We actually offer a free teaching on that as well in a decompression position where you can self-adjust your back and hips and get yourself out okay. of fight or flight all positionally with no equipment required. And I will send that link as well. We call it our 90-90 decompression position. And that is okay. such a gift to your nervous system, your back, your hips at any stage. So that one is a wonderful way to add some breath work into that restfulness and relaxation, which has to be the first step, exactly as you pointed out, yeah. into recovering function through that whole core. Yeah. And I guess hearing you talk, I'm, I'm lucky that I was at a PT who knew to start with breathing. It sounds like not all of them do, but I think also I reached a point where I quote unquote graduated 
from PT, but not all my problems were resolved, but they were, you know, we don't know what else to do. So maybe, you know, like you said, I went all in on that. And then that would be the place where I would pick up with something like this or like having done PT after your first, and then you have a second and you're like, you said, you can't just run all over town. You have two kids in tow and you need something that you could do in the middle of the living room floor. Absolutely. And that is exactly the case. It depends on the stage of life too, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, So this isn't like, oh, you had a fourth degree chair, so you're not a candidate for this. But those kind of severe issues be addressed in this program or would you kind of start individual and then move to this? That's a great point. My partner, Jen, had a fourth degree tear herself. Mm-hmm. And so as someone who's walked that path personally, and as a, the one of the co-creators of the program, I know for sure she would say this can work for you because she okay. was referred for full pelvic floor suspension surgery at the age of 36. Mm-hmm. And the doctor told her, I hate to do it on people this young because you're just going to need it redone. Mm. Thankfully, she has the fighting energy of a teenager when someone tells her something (laughs) she doesn't want to hear. And she channeled that into something so productive here to find another way. And that is the inspiration on, of her journey behind this. So absolutely. Now, are there cases where it's things have kind of gone too far? Yes. If you know for sure you're dealing with stage four prolapse, for instance, and you have an organ that is hanging outside of your body. Yes. You are a better surgical candidate. I'm sorry to say most women are not, mm-hmm. thank goodness, blessedly not at that place. So mm-hmm. even stage one and two prolapse, we showed in our research respond absolutely miraculously to the right nudge. And if your diastasis recti, if your abdominal separation is five finger widths, no, we can't close that. But three or less, absolutely. You'll find it narrowing right away. You get the right muscles turned on again. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about this. So since this is mostly postpartum moms listening, let's focus on that. What is normal after having a baby? Because things change for a while, right? And there's some degree to which time does some of this work, right? So what's normal and what's not after you have a baby? Such the great question. And I think in those first six weeks, the focus should be on rest as much as possible. Of course, that's only possible in certain situations, (laughs) depending on how many other kids you have. Yes, certainly some of this can happen to many women in those initial, very early postpartum days. But past that, none of this dysfunction should be considered something you have to accept as your new normal forever, Mm -hmm. whether that's pain of any kind, whether that's the bladder dysfunction, the bowel dysfunction, the heaviness and pressure, the chronic back and hip tightness, none of that, the issues with sex, either diminished sensation or even worse pain, none of that should be something you have to accept as your new normal forever. And it is not normal. It's common, shockingly common. So there is help out there for all of that. And that's the piece that women are having to fight for because your aunt will tell you, oh, honey, that's just, I had that too. Or, and many women, we get emails every day in our inbox. I had summoned the courage to bring this up to my care provider and they shamed me and told me I was dramatizing things or mm-hmm. that I didn't understand what normal was. And so you know your body. <laughs> Something was not happening to you before you had kids and it's happening now there is help available. 
Okay. Okay. That, that's good to know. So by 12, like 12 weeks, say you won't feel like yourself per se, because you still live with a tiny person, but your pelvic floor should more or less feel the same. Like your ab separation should more or less be at least improving. Yes. Things should be moving in the right direction dramatically by then. And if not, absolutely reach out and seek help. Will everything be back to the way it was before you had kids by then? That's not realistic, right? Mm -hmm. 10 months to grow the baby. So you've got to give your body more grace. But if you are at a point at that stage where you're like, this is not okay with me, take action. By all means, you are ready at that point to receive help, to proactively intervene on your own story to change it. So one of the things my PT told me was that some of your problems aren't going to resolve till you're done breastfeeding because relaxin stays in your body while you're breastfeeding. And at this point, I was like committed to breastfeeding to age two. So she certainly was not shaming me, but there was that undercurrent of like, at this point, you're your own problem. (laughs) Is that true? Does relaxin stay in your body? And would that cause continuing problems? I guess that's two questions. That's a great question. It's something I always bring up when talking to freshly postpartum or expectant moms. So I think what I'm guessing happened there is that the way that she framed that information could have been done with more finesse because (laughs) there is truth there. But instead of saying you would just have to accept continued dysfunction, no, you can still heal and make positive progress in that time. The way I frame guidance around that fact that I do agree with in the end is simply to adjust the inputs that you're giving your body during that time. So is it a great idea to resume high impact exercise while you're breastfeeding? Absolutely not because the tissue is still loosey goosey a bit. Can you still make positive progress and gain on healing and support and muscular, you know, integrity? Yes. So it's, there's not a lost cause situation happening there, but what there is a time where your body will be asking for different inputs to function optimally, i.e no high impact exercise reintroduction, please, because your body's still loose. Yeah. Okay. So, so prolapse, any, even like first or second degree is not necessarily normal just because you're breastfeeding. Oh, no. Okay. Absolutely. That's kind of of where she was going with that. And and thankfully did not wean. I think I would have just been so mad at myself if I weaned for that, but I was in I had like a low level of persistent pain and I was just like, should I wean? Should I not? Am I doing this to myself? And when he was ready and he self weaned and the pain didn't go away, I was just like, thank goodness I did not wean just to get the pain to go away. (laughs) Thank goodness. And I, I will never throw another healthcare provider under the bus. I choose to believe in my heart that anybody in a helping profession got into it for the right reasons. But what I do know is that we are all human and we all work with the limitations of our own knowledge. So if you have an intuition that a provider you're working with may not know all the perspectives that you need to take into account, you trusted yourself. That's what I advise anyone to do receiving care that nobody knows everything, but you know, you better than anybody, you know, your body and what it's capable of and what is and isn't okay with you no matter what anybody else tells you. So of course you did the right thing and you were totally right. But it's interesting that what she was saying, there is some truth, a fact in there. I do agree with, but I don't agree with the point she made based on that fact. (laughs) Yeah. To be fair, this was 
eight, nine years ago, she helped me a ton, definitely yeah. not throwing her under the bus, but yeah. she was the only one who was even saying these things. Cause then I would go to my midwife and say like, what's the deal with relaxing? And she's like, I don't know. It, like you're not pregnant anymore. It's not there anymore. Or I'd ask my doula and she'd be like, I don't really know anything about that. So for years I was like, is it there or is it not? I don't know. I feel like so much more information is available now than there was a decade ago too. Absolutely. But I agree. There is continued looseness of the ligaments and the connective tissue through the duration of breastfeeding. So my guidance based on that is you can still make tons of progress, but you will accelerate that positive progress and minimize risk by choosing not to add high impact during that period. Is your program strength-based at all, or is it more breathing and do you incorporate cranios? Like, can you do craniosacral therapy on yourself or fascia release? I guess you can do on yourself. So we do not teach fascia release specifically. What we teach is the protocol that we validated in the research that does involve a very specified set of, we call them recovery tools. So first you learn self-assessments. Okay. Where am I starting from anyway? Then you walked through relief techniques, toolbox. So you just almost like picture yourself, like strapping on, you're arming yourself with relief tools that you can do at home. And we do recommend if you find your alignment is out in your hips and pelvis during those self-assessments to seek care from an outside provider. We love Webster certified chiropractors because they're the ones who can adjust that pubic joint in the front. We love craniosacral therapists. Acupuncture is wonderful for nervous system release to set the body up for healing. So there are many modalities you can add at the same time as doing this healing protocol. So after you learn the relief techniques, then it's into the therapeutic, the movement series, the exercises. But the really cool piece about this is that it gets underneath the conscious level to teach the body how to subconsciously activate pelvic floor, outer hips, deep abdominals, low back through a functional triplanar movement series instead of conscious squeezing. Conscious squeezing and bracing is not ever going to be the answer because it's not how those muscles work before. And I need my pelvic floor and my core to work for me when I'm driving and I can't cross my legs when I'm sneezing without causing an accident. And I need my pelvic floor to work for me when I'm bent over picking up a heavy bag of groceries in a deep squat and I cough. And it doesn't need to be a conscious thing. It wasn't before. So the only reason I think those conscious squeezing methods are still being taught is because people don't haven't figured out that there's a better way yet. So that's what we're here to teach. And it is an incredibly dialed in 10 minute movement series that does create the strength, but it creates it in a way such that you don't have to think about it anymore. And that's the really powerful piece. And it creates strength through full ranges of motion of your body and your hips instead of, oh, I'm just getting stronger in this one position where I'm squeezing and relaxing and squeezing and relaxing that doesn't carry over into real life. So that's why this works better. And we've dialed it down to the smallest amount of time investment possible because we are also moms and need it to fit into our lives. (laughs) You said there were five stages. So are you doing a different series of quote unquote exercises every day? Or once you kind of learn them all, like that's the series that you're doing, you don't need to pull up your computer. You can just do it. Yes, correct. So the idea is once you learn it, it is a part of your routine now and you can pull out those relief techniques as needed when you have maybe a little flare up. Life demands a little bit more of you than you expected that day. So you have tools in your toolbox for relief and you have the movement series that keeps the muscles active and working for you. 
and we call it your daily warm up, And that's how Jen and I use it ourselves. So you're giving your muscles, it's like turning on the little light switch for your muscles to work for you throughout the rest of the day. You hop up and you do your movement series and you move on without having to think about it again. And everything just turns on and gets back online to support you. And that's how it works. Okay. And it, it's like a 30 day, is that what it is? 30 days? So we speak of the initial learning period as 30 days, yeah. and that was the interval of our research study as well. So we can speak okay. specifically to, we can say, if you commit to this and follow this for 30 days, we, here's what you can expect. And we have data behind this. So we know exactly what we can promise. The beautiful thing is, say you had 60% improvement in your bladder symptoms in 30 days, continuing only makes that even better. So your life has been dramatically altered in that 30 days. And it's amazing when we get that much positive reinforcement, how easy it is to continue changing our habits when like it has worked so well. So you keep on and continuing to gain from there. Yeah. I love timelines, especially for new, when I'm working with a mom with, you know, a baby or with a tongue tie or something, it's like, this is the timeline I'm going to give you. Not that things are fixed, at yeah. all but that this is when you should notice like the tide is shifting yes and that happens within a first week or two okay and that's the, so it's not 30 days before you start feeling any bit better it's 30 days is what we can speak to there's very specific results that were validated in the research so we like yeah. although we take a holistic approach we are we do also come from a western medicine background we really appreciate knowing exactly what we can promise women and what we can't because that's what we would want for ourselves too Yes. Yeah. When you're investing time and money into something, especially yes. postpartum, because everybody wants you to buy something postpartum, you know, like yes. the herbs and the teas and the, you know, lactation cookies and all yes, the things. And, and the, the plethora of resources is lovely. And I think what that is a sign of all of us women trying to step in and fill the gap of so much care that has lacked for moms in this stage. So we're all going, okay, we can do something about this. We don't have to live with being ignored once we become a mom. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think that is a lot. I mean, most of the people that I talked to on this podcast are like, this didn't go well and somebody needs to do something about that. And so and that's all are. of us stepping up and saying, Hey, yeah. we can help with this part of it. So if you need the lactation cookies, you've got options for that. You're having pelvic floor stuff that's persisting past those first few weeks. There's options now. So thank goodness we're filling the gap for ourselves. <laughs> yes, exactly. I had some other questions, both questions that people have asked me that they're curious about and still questions that I have. So one is, I know that sometimes postpartum brings an awareness to your body that you didn't have before. So like I said, I had the hip pain, the back pain. I probably had pelvic floor pain, but I couldn't have told you that. And I was very like dissociated from my body before having a kid. And then you have a kid and it all kind of crashed into my awareness, right? And suddenly I was like, everything is wrong inside of me. So all, there's that. But also postpartum, sometimes people will develop autoimmune diseases and other things that, that they didn't have before. So how do you know because now people are so good at referring to PT or a program like, oh, you have pain, pelvic floor. But what about things like ovarian cysts or endometriosis or what are some other things like pelvic congestion syndrome? How do you know if pelvic pain is a pelvic floor thing or something else? 
That is a great question. I think one of the best places to start with that would be our five minute quiz, because what that okay. covers is exactly the specific symptoms that are pelvic floor related. Okay. And you can core or pelvic floor related, I should say, because it addresses mm-hmm. all of that. And if you're looking at that, going through that quiz and you're not having a lot of light bulb moments, like, Ooh, okay. Yep. I've got this. You don't have to check all the boxes on the quiz to know that it's pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of stuff going on and that is not represented on that quiz. You probably do need to look elsewhere for more okay, intervention okay. or more assessment and diagnostics. And that would be the first place I would turn to kind of weed out what's what. Okay. That's a great point. I've heard you on one of the other podcast interviews that I listened to talk about how sometimes pain is cyclical for moms whose cycles have come back. Can you go through that a little bit? Oh, that's an interesting point. So what I do know is that when we're menstruating or about to be menstruating, our uterus doubles in volume. If we know that there has been injury to that tissue through pregnancy and birth, where there was some stretching that occurred that is just we you know what we can't do is go in and restack your pelvic organs for you. So what happens if you've been through enough injury to cause symptoms? Sometimes you are still vulnerable to flare-ups. As Jen and I would say, life keeps happening. One of those things is our monthly hormone fluctuations. So when that uterus doubles in volume, the weight of it increases, the size of it increases. And so if you are already vulnerable to having symptomatic problems in that area, pelvic pressure, heaviness, bladder or bowel dysfunction, it only stands to reason that when that organ doubles in volume at that time of the month, you may be much more aware of some of that heaviness or pressure. And in the case of using something like our signature program, that would be the time of the month that both Jen and I personally would recommend to other women that you lean more heavily on those relief techniques that you would have learned already and that you pull those out of your toolbox and use those a little bit more at that time and continue with your muscle activation piece and the therapeutic movement series so that you're maintaining that support and you're able to navigate that additional factor without having to suffer from it. So if somebody feels good most of the month, but then maybe around ovulation and their period, they do feel that heaviness, they would still check the box on the quiz. Well, the quiz questions are more specific. They're less time sensitive. So, well, yeah. So if you feel heaviness, you know, and because that I've taken the quiz, that's one of the things on the quiz, right? Yes. So even if I don't feel it today, but I know that in five days I'm going to feel it, I would check yes. That's a good question. I, that probably goes back to how much it bothers you. So for many women, the heaviness and pressure are incredibly disconcerting. It makes them feel broken. And I feel that way when I have the heaviness and I feel like something is trying to fall out of my bottom, Mm -hmm. I feel awful and it affects my sense of well-being on a deep level. Some women will report if we ask specifically about that question, they'll say, oh yeah, but I've had that for forever. That doesn't bother me. What I need help with is the fact that my life is ruled by where the next bathroom is. That's my problem. So they, maybe both people have the symptom, but their life is impacted differently by a similar presentation. So that really is what it comes back to. What problem do you, are you looking for help and support with? And what I would reference for you is to use that decompression technique at that time of the month to reset and tip everything back away from gravity and provide some instant relief that way without having to do anything else. That's something you could add at that time of the month. 
Okay, well, perfect. I'm excited to watch that YouTube video. <laughs> Let's see. So some, oh, another question. Okay, nighttime peeing. I feel like in the health and wellness space, there's a lot of talk lately about nighttime peeing being a blood sugar issue or or it's just a habit because you are up with baby and you just go pee just in case before you fall back asleep. Or maybe it's like stress, your stress hormone. I mean, how do we know when nighttime peeing is a pelvic floor issue? That's a great question too. It is almost always, at least in part, a pelvic floor mm-hmm. issue. The blood sugar piece is something completely separate. You're right. Nocturia is a symptom of diabetes. So if you are at all concerned, if you have a family history of diabetes, please go get your blood sugar checked. Rule that out right away if that's in any way a reasonable concern for you. Past that, it is pelvic floor related. Now, whether you whether or not you need more, because the fight or flight system does connect to the bladder. So that is a piece that through doing things like that decompression technique, we're starting to intervene upon breaking that cycle of fight or flight, which does affect the bladder. So bladder habits can be somewhat learned. They can be influenced by stress, as you mentioned, but very often when we're waking up, if you're not already waking up for something else, like, okay, I woke up to feed the baby. Many women at that time go, okay, well, I'll just pee while I'm up. Once you're past the point of waking up for another reason, like getting up to feed the baby, you should not be waking up at night to pee. Now, if you want to test if there's a nervous system component to that, do that decompression technique right before bed. So you have set your nervous system in a place of rest prior to sleep. And if you're still having problems, then you need some more support on the pelvic floor side, more strength and lift in that region. And you may also need help completely emptying your bladder, which is another chronic issue that many women are not even aware of playing a role in their situation. So pee using a squatty potty, believe it or not, helps full bladder emptying as well as bowel emptying. Make sure that you're relaxing when you let your pee out, that you're not trying to push it out. Many women have gotten into that habit to shave off a few seconds because the toddler's banging at the door or they are a nurse or a teacher and the client is waiting. Make sure you're relaxing to empty your bladder. We also teach in the program, one of the relief tools is a little lift you can do externally to help make sure that you're clearing the passage to fully empty the bladder. If you're having recurrent UTIs, that's a sign that you're not completely emptying your bladder. So all these things play a role, can play a role in that nighttime peeing. Okay. Yeah. It's a hot topic right now. (laughs) You know, things are around. Interesting piece because, you know, this is something that women what we have found is that they have so deeply accepted this as just a part of life. They mm-hmm. can't even convince themselves to believe it's possible to not do this. So we do not have women often join the program and work with us to solve that because they don't think it's possible to fix it. But then what happens is so they join because their life is ruled by the bathroom or they're having the pressure or heaviness. But then within a week or two, they'll come into our private community room and they'll say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm sleeping through the night. I didn't realize this was going to happen. And sometimes that's the first thing that changes. And they are completely caught off guard because even though we explained that's possible, they weren't able to believe it because it's something they've so deeply accepted. So the positive changes that are possible in our bodies are always present and available when we find the right nudge to give the tissue to help it do what it wanted to do anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome because I don't want to accept that for the rest of my life. No, I mean, it's sleep. Holy moly. As anybody yeah. who's been through motherhood knows how important sleep is to our ability to cope with everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm so... from personal experience. Yeah, oh, I, and I, it's like 
when the baby gets up, like you expect the baby to get up. But you know, when any when the five year old wakes you up, when your husband wakes you up, when your bladder wakes you up, I'm like, yeah. I do mm-hmm. not have the tolerance for this. Nope, no more, please. Yeah. Oh man. So here's a question: How do you know when you're ready to do workouts postpartum? That is a great question. Of course, we have to get clearance from our provider first. That is always the first box to check. If you're freshly postpartum, pay attention to your lochia. If you've got that bloody drainage is telling you it's your barometer right then and there, if you're doing too much, if that increases after it has subsided, you've gone too far. It's your body saying, Hey, please not yet. Can we scale this back a little bit? Clearance from your provider, pay attention to the drainage. It's trying to tell you if what you're doing is okay or not yet for your body. Aside from that, it's tuning in and listening to what you know feels right and wrong in your own body. Our bodies give us tons of signs and signals. Sometimes we've been trained to ignore those. Now is the time to tune in and listen. If you're having, if you do an activity and either later that day or the next day, you have increases in bladder issues, you have increase in back or hip discomfort, you have increase in that pelvic or lower abdominal pressure or heaviness. Any of those things are your body saying, whoa, please not yet. Let's slow down before we can speed up again. Yeah. I love, I, yeah, it's such a individual answer because some women do feel great. And it's like, I mean, if you were working out beforehand and you want to pick that back up to a degree at six weeks, because you feel great, like that's fine. And, but I think also it's funny, I've done it a little bit different with each kid, but this time I was, I need to wait till I'm like less stressed, whatever that means, or till I am sleeping through the night or whatever until I can work out again and it reached a point where it's like not being strong is affecting my life and stressing me out so I was like I can't wait for conditions to line up but you know at this point I'm 10 months postpartum and it's like my pelvic floor feels pretty good I need to start working out yeah and in that case it's like okay we'll go for it but like just Mm -hmm. tune in and listen as you go yeah because your body will your body will have a way of letting you know by increasing one of those issues if you've gone too far too fast and you just go okay well let me pull this back a little bit and maybe it's receiving some help at that point or maybe it's just scaling it back and walking back into it more slowly yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess there is a point where you don't know until you try either. Like, totally. Which one is more stressful, not working out and like waiting for things to be right or working out and seeing how it And goes. it might require an adjustment of what does working out mean for yes. you? Maybe instead of a jog because you're still breastfeeding and you don't want to reintroduce high impact <laughs> activities, maybe it's a brisk walk instead. You can still find you're getting your heart rate up and feeling all those lovely endorphins in just a modified way for the demands of that time of your life. Yeah. Yeah. The endorphins. I was missing those for sure. Oh, girl. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So if you're working out, do you have any breathing cues or posture tips that you talk about? I know you're saying bracing is not your favorite. Do you talk about even just lifting your toddler? I mean, there are things that do and don't help with that. Yes, absolutely. From a breathing standpoint, I'm sure many have heard you don't want to do what's called the Valsalva maneuver, which is the (laughs) whether it's pooping or picking up your toddler, try to exhale as you lift. So you're not causing a great increase in pressure through that abdomen and then downward pressure on your pelvic organs, which is not a gift to them, (laughs) especially Mm -hmm. freshly postpartum. 
So try to give a good exhale, which also will help gently engage those deep abdominals for a little more support and wake them up. This is a great lifting tip. Another lifting tip that's very protective for your back specifically is to separate the bend and lift from the twist. So if you're trying to move a heavy carton of water from Costco, turn and face the carton of water, pick it up and then move your feet to turn it you know, to the place you're trying to move it. Don't do the twist and the bend and the lift all at once. Separate the twist and move your feet instead of twerking through your back while you're holding that load. That is an incredibly protective thing you can do for your back. And that is, takes but a few seconds. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Let's see. My other questions here. One mom asked if you have any advice for slow wound healing from perineal tearing or persistent pain in an area where you tore. Oh gosh, that is so tricky. And I'm so sorry for whoever is dealing with that. That is something that is part of Jen's personal story as well. So I can speak to that on her behalf. With that fourth degree tear, she did find that unfortunately, you know, because of she also lost control of bowel and bladder because of Mm -hmm. that fourth degree tear. So There's a lot of stuff happening down there with excrement Mm -hmm. that can cause an infection while that tear is trying to heal. So if you are feeling that the tear or the stitching is healing slowly or you're getting sharp pain, either seek help from a provider to examine it. I know for Jen, she actually found that she needed to look down there herself with a mirror and found that she was able to visibly see pus, which was a sign of infection. So if you either examine yourself or have someone help you with that, if you're having increasing pain or it's not decreasing or you're having fevers or you're lightheaded or you're having pus in that area those are all signs of infection that definitely need some additional intervention now if what we're talking about is past that acute point you're feeling like gosh this is i know the tissue is healed why am i still having problems here the first thing i would do is start with that decompression technique that i've been referencing because it incorporates breath work and it can help gently relax and rebalance the structures in that area receiving some support from a webster certified chiro for alignment or craniosacral therapy at that time would be a lovely piece to add to the healing process but no matter what constant or residual pain in that realm is not normal and should not be your new normal. So please seek help if that is something, no matter who you feel at peace seeking it with, please seek help if that, mm-hmm. if you're dealing with persistent pain anywhere in that region. Yeah, that's great to know. Ask if this program is helpful for moms after C-sections. Great question, because our pelvic floor did still have to go through carrying a full-term pregnancy and our mm-hmm. abdomen still had to go through that. So you still had basically a bowling ball sitting on your pelvic floor for nine to 10 months, no matter how that baby comes out. And often with a C-section, you need extra support reintegrating with those deep abdominals because they've been cut. So our program does address scar tissue work and it does address modifications as needed as you go through each step. So it is incredibly appropriate. And yes, you can still very much have pelvic floor problems no matter how the baby came out because you still carried that pregnancy. Yeah, I think that's important. I've not had a C-section, but I've certainly worked with moms who have, and it's just a whole different thing to wrap your brain around. Another one of them is like, why should I be having pelvic floor problems? I didn't push the baby out that way, but yeah, it's all connected. So absolutely. And your body still was pregnant for. Yes. Yes. So 
the last two questions, and I'm sorry, I didn't have these on your list, but not at all. They're about baby wearing and belly binding. Do you have Ooh. thoughts? Yeah, two different things. Let's do baby wearing first. When is it appropriate to start baby wearing? So I loved baby wearing, so I can speak mm-hmm. very personally to this. And I'm also somebody who needed support for pelvic floor issues. So that's a tricky one because you're adding a, as the baby grows, you're adding a bigger and bigger load to your body weight as you're moving around and going about your day. That is something you do have to tune in, listen to your body to do safely. Because if you are dealing with pelvic floor issues or prolapse issues, birth recovery issues of any kind, that baby wearing could cause increased issues because of the picking up a weight. Want to start slow, ease into that, try 20 minutes first. Don't put the baby on for the first time or the first time in a month when they've gained several pounds and then go out on a mile and a half hike or on a trip to Costco where you're going to be gone for two hours or to the mall. So make sure that you have another way to carry baby because until you've kind of tested the waters, much like I guess, reintegrating into exercise or any other movement, you are adding weight when you were a baby. So it is a wonderful, lovely way to, you know, support that bond and to feel each other's rhythms and breathing. And it feels lovely, but it is something your body may ask you not to do for long periods of time. And you do want to listen to that. Yeah. I struggle with hypermobility anyways. And so that I find that even with the best baby carrier, like I know I'm wearing it properly. I can only wear them for so long once they're over like 12 pounds or something, which makes me sad because yes, I love it. But I'm like, this doesn't feel good on my like upper back, on my lower back, on my pelvic floor, just, yeah. Yes. The good news is that once you do, especially if you consciously choose to receive some support to regain that core and pelvic strength, you start at your center and it does provide what I kind of call ground up support because it's your center of gravity. You will feel less pain and pressure up and down the chain from Mm -hmm. that center of gravity. So it's a really powerful thing to get that center of gravity working again. And that applies for baby wearing as well. But yes, hypermobility does complicate things. And we work with many hypermobile women as well, because they often need more support with that core strength because they're dependent even more on it because the ligaments are naturally loose. Yeah. That took me a long time to learn too, but so it's not a sign that you need to wear your baby less. It's a sign that you probably need to do some more work on your core and pelvic floor. Or a little bit of both while you're figuring (laughs) it out. (laughs) True. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. There were, there are days if we're out and about, I'm like, my husband has to be the baby wearer. I'm, I can't do that for long periods yes. of time still. And there will be that dance as Jen, you know, this, yes. uh, it has felt like to us in recovery of like, okay, I can do a little bit more, but mm-hmm. not quite all that much yet. And so, so I'm going to yeah. go back and forth between, okay, let's receive help for this, but I can handle this now. And yes. that target just adjusts as you recover and gain strength and function again, you can do a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on belly binding? I feel like this has gone in and out of style, even just in the last 15 years that I've been working 16 years with moms. What are your thoughts on it? My concern with that is the increase in pressure that it causes. Mm-hmm. So I understand where it's coming from, to be sure, because it does feel good to kind of put on a brace when those mm-hmm. muscles are at their weakest. But I have a feeling that the indigenous cultures who kind of originated that practice had a way of 
administering it skillfully and maybe with an art that we no longer are in, in touch with. Because what I find is that it can get overused or used incorrectly and then can increase prolapse symptoms and mm -hmm. problems. Because I love this analogy Jen always gives of the tube of toothpaste. So like imagine your core is the toothpaste tube. You turn it upside down. The cap is your pelvic floor and it's loose because it's weak and loose. You just had a baby. And then you take your hand and squeeze that toothpaste tube and that can be the binding. And then where does that pressure go? It goes down yeah. and out potentially. So nobody wants that. And this can also happen with actually compressive clothing. It doesn't even have to be belly binding. We teach about wearing sizing up and wearing looser garments around your waist. If you're dealing with prolapse symptoms or pelvic floor issues of any kind, because even that by the end of the day, if you wear a pair of pants or underwear and by the end of the day, you notice puffiness or swelling has increased in your abdomen or some of that pressure or heaviness or bowel or bladder stuff has increased. Your body's like, whoa, that was way too much pressure around my middle. Please back that up. Yeah. Yeah. And now a lot of companies are selling compressive garments for postpartum. And I agree. It would feel good on my lower back. I'm like, oh, that's a relief. But then my pelvic floor by the end of the day would. Welcome to my podcast where I just tell everybody everything I did wrong. <laughs> that Look, I'll tell. That's how we learn. That's how we got yeah. here. Look, if we wouldn't have made the mistakes we did and the missteps we did, we wouldn't be here to share the good news of what's possible and to try to help others avoid yeah. those same things. And so, yes, if you're trying to do the bracing or binding I would say it's more appropriate very early on when you're mm -hmm. still mostly largely on bed rest, because then you're not upright and moving around. If you gradually get back into activity, hopefully your deep abdominals remember how to work for you. And if you don't feel like your muscles are working for you, that's where you do seek intervention and help and support, like something with our signature program where you're getting like, okay, now this is how I need to turn these muscles on. So I can be up and about more, wear my baby more without needing the binding anymore because your muscles are doing that work, which is how mm -hmm. it should happen. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because that was even going through my mind. Like I need to look back and see how this originated because I do wonder if it was just meant to like kind of knit everything together while you're laying in bed. That Rest, is my resting and feeding your baby belief. and <laughs> eating your yes. soup. Yeah. Yes. That's my personal belief of guessing. That's how the indigenous cultures would have used mm -hmm. that when it originated. Yeah. But I wonder if the application has been kind of lost in translation to where it's not being used yes. with the skill or art and causing more problems, which it yeah, could. Yeah. Well, and I wonder if it is actually being misused in the same way baby wearing can be misused. Like, are you wearing your baby because you're already going on a slow walk together or are you wearing your baby so you can like clean your house and make dinner at six weeks postpartum? That like, one is of those an is excellent feel better. point. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah, application is everything. <laughs> yes. So some food for thought. <laughs> All right. So what encouragement do you have for the mom listening who's frustrated that her body doesn't feel like she's used to after she's had a baby? Okay. First of all, you are not alone. I can't say that enough times. You are not alone. However crazy or bizarre or weird or personal or intimate the issue you're dealing with is and however hard to talk about it, it is, you're not alone. If you want to do a deep dive to really know how not alone you are, check out our YouTube channel. We go over all the things you are probably scared to Google because we've been there and we've lived it. And we want to be that support where you don't even have to talk about it, somebody to understand you are not alone. And there is help and hope available. Our bodies are capable of incredible amounts of recovery and healing, and it's never too late. I love that it's never too late because... 
I remember in PT, I was only, I was 16 weeks postpartum and I was like, is it too late? She just looked at me like, what are you talking about? But, but, you know, we have this idea in our head because of so much cultural input of bouncing back, Mm -hmm. which is absurd. That's not the journey and it's (laughs) not how it plays out for almost anyone. Yes. Yeah. If you're listening to my podcast, you're probably aware of that narrative and a little bit resistant to it. I hope. (laughs) Yes. So this question I like to ask my guests who are also moms, because it's hard to focus. It's hard to focus on what we're doing right. It's easy to look at the end of the day at what we did wrong. So what's something that's going well for you right now in motherhood? I think my motherhood journey has led me to have to accept, to understand how to ask for and receive more help. I was raised in a household that prized independence, and that is valuable in many ways and stages of life, but I had to learn how to ask for and receive help in motherhood. It's humbling, but it adds grace, and it adds healing, and it supports your whole family. See a therapist, seek help for trauma, and trauma does not have to be a war zone. Anything where you are pushed past your ability to cope is trauma. Receive support for that. You are worthy of it. Receive support for the physical stuff that has changed that you would like to fix. Ask for and receive support absolutely at every step along your journey because everyone benefits from that. And I've learned that lesson. I'm continuing to learn that lesson, but that's life altering. Yeah, it pays off. Maybe it is the oldest of the fourth child thing, (laughs) The the oldest of four, but Yeah, asking for help and knowing that you can't do it all. And there's a lot of identity wrapped up in that. And I think our culture has not historically been as good about showing the behind the scenes or how is that person doing all of those things? Well, probably they're not doing all of the things. They are absolutely not. (laughs) I think that's like the secret of adulting. Like, how are they doing that? And they're not. Mm -hmm. And so if it's, if you have family in town, rope them in. If you don't, that's something we don't have hire it out. It'll be Mm -hmm. money well spent because your whole family will be elevated when you are more well through the help that you received. And then you're modeling that for your children, especially I think about my daughter and her through taking care of myself and talking to her about that, that she is worthy both pre and post motherhood. If she chooses to go that path is a whole Mm -hmm. nother layer of why we can do this for ourselves. Yeah, that's so true. I was about to say it pays dividends. You know, the sooner you start asking for help, the better it is because you don't have to dig yourself out of a hole later. But then, yeah, generationally, you're, it pays dividends too. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I love that. Can you share where we can find you online and find your program and all that good stuff? Oh, of course, tightenyourtinkler.com. Our YouTube channel is Tighten Your Tinkler and Instagram at tighten.your.tinkler. And you can find the links to all of our stuff in all those places. Our, that five-minute quiz is on our website and in our Instagram bio and we are the ones behind the scenes and in our Instagram inbox and in our email inbox. Hello at Tightener Tinkler. There is no question too personal. There is no question to, am I the only one or I'm not sure about this. If we don't know the answer, we will guide you to the place where we believe you can find it. We all deserve support and healing and your body is capable of so much. Yeah, perfect. I love that. And then can you share a little bit more? We talked a lot about your program, but it's a 30-day program. It's online. It's Is it on the Teachable platform? 
It's on or, the Kajabi platform. Okay, perfect. So yeah, there's yeah. an app and everything. You can access yes. it that way. And it does include yes. lifetime access as well as membership in our private community, which comes with coaching and support for the journey and a camaraderie with other women walking a similar path, which as I mean, which is irreplaceable. Yeah. So okay, that's perfect. That's that. Yeah. I'll have those links in the show notes if somebody wants to look at those and then you guys had offered a code for $50 off. So I'll have that in the show notes. Absolutely. Happy mama 50. (laughs) Thank you. Do you want to add anything else before we close out? I think making sure to know that the not aloneness, I mean that on the deepest level, because these issues are so personal, they can feel so isolating, but you are not alone. And there is hope for healing and recovery. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for talking today. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you, Therese, for all the work you do in this world. Yeah. Did my mic get a little bit echoey on your end? No. At any point? Okay. I feel like I lifted it up to get a drink. And then when I put it back down, it was echoing a little bit, but I was hoping it wasn't. I didn't hear any of that at all. My toddler has been putting the headphones on around his ears. And I'm like, that's cute. But also you've got to stop doing that. (laughs) But also don't mess with my stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I will make an Instagram post and tag you guys when it goes live and and all of that. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to Milk and Motherhood today. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links to some of the things we talked about. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends or leave a review to help other people find us here. As always, you can find me on Instagram at happy.mama.healthy.baby or on the internet at happymamahealthybaby.co. See you next time.